Welcome back to Calling All Bees, baby. I am your host, DJ, and we're going to do another one of these tonight where we get to celebrate our brothers and sisters from Calling All Beings. Uh, last time it was Nathan, but guess what? It ain't the last time it was Nathan, uh, but we're going to celebrate our homegirl. So without further ado, uh, my my co-host, my co-creator, the executive uh, producer, uh, the technical director, uh, and my, my co-conspirator in what we call fun, entertaining, and interesting talk about the unexplained, which could include UAPs, Bigfoot, and paranormal. And that is the one y'all know as Monet or Money, Nathan. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Happy, happy Tuesday. <laughs> DJ just appeared into the galaxy, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, uh, man, that's back. all I'm going to say. <laughs> he's back in the void. Uh, it is great to be here with everybody tonight. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everybody's having a great new year so far. We're going to have a great show tonight. I'm so excited to talk to Deb. We're going to put her in the hot seat. Don't worry, it's not going to hurt her. And we're going to have a great time. Totally. So, um, And so, yeah, by the way, Mick, I know you're in the chat. We are going to get uh, your question uh, right after uh, we'll go through uh, Nathan, myself, and then we're going to get you in there. We saw that you're in there, and uh, so you're you're going to get in the rotation. Uh, uh, so Priscilla, uh, the Quantum Witch, uh, something Nathan knows about, something De uh, Deb knows about because they've reared children, but there's uh, some of those things getting the kids calmed down tonight because uh, her, her husband just left, went back on deployment um after you know like a holiday break uh cory should be here i'm i don't know where i don't know where i don't know if he's got stage fright i mean the guy speaks publicly for a living so so uh i will check in with him but yeah it, it's awesome nathan uh we got to for me this is a real treat because we get to got to celebrate you last time and just let people fire away and do your thing hi jules hey well, good evening anon how are you happy deb day hell yeah uh, and so, yeah, this is a treat for Nathan and I to get to celebrate our colleague who, man, she has just really, really been there for us over these last, you know, two and a half years. So um, without any further delay, uh, let us bring on our researcher, uh, our paragon of virtue, uh, a woman, sort of the soul, uh, heart and soul, if you will, of the community, someone who cares so deeply uh, about this topic and somebody whom we are extremely uh, sort of uh, proud to, to be aligned with her. So um, without any further ado, let's bring on our home girl, a study of UAPs, the hopes of Deb's data dojo and OG from Cab. Put your hands together for Debs. Hi everybody. Amen. <laughs> Can I get a, is it weird Man. if I myself? You can amen yourself. I think. Amen. Okay. There we go. Amen. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. We're happy to. <laughs> we're happy to amen you, Debs. Um, good. Good evening. How How are you, Deb? It's been a fascinating day. Um, it's been mixed with UFOs and, um. I guess we could call them squid-like beings and work <laughs> and storms. 
<laughs> and storms. Oh man, I'll tell you what. All those things. I love squids except when they touch me when I'm in the water because it has a tendency to make uh, things sort of uh, expand and blow up, and then I need to go to the ER. That happened a couple times uh, last winter. Uh, but anyway, uh, Debs, man. There's so much, you know, I, I thought of you a lot during the um, the interview that uh, Jeremy and George, our, our friends uh, who we admire from afar, I guess you could say, uh, uh, Jeremy uh, Corbell and George Knapp interviewed um, Richard Dolan, and it, it made me think of you. I'm just wondering if you caught that at the outset here, just because there was a lot of raw material in there that that, that made me think of you. Yep, that was what I was listening to on my way to work today. Okay. <laughs> you couldn't have gotten through it all, did you? Oh, no, absolutely did not. I definitely need to go back and finish. Um, I find the travel to work, um, since it's now longer, is really beneficial for me catching up with all of these things. <laughs> all these pods, yeah. Yes. It's it. <laughs> It, it's pretty deep, man. I don't know. Did you hear that, Nathan, by the way? or I haven't. You know, I've not had a chance to catch. I've seen kind of the, the clip a little bit, a couple of mm-hmm. sound bites from Richard Dolan, but not the whole the whole show. Yeah, it it kind of diverges a little bit towards the end into sort of, the you know, uh, conspiracies and the one world order and this kind of thing. But but man, the guy just I mean, he he knows a lot, man. He really is is tuned into uh, a lot of all that conspiracies aside, he's really tuned into and has a lot of information and what a respected uh, individual in the community who stumbled upon this when he was studying history. But uh, anyway, you know, Debs, um, thank you uh, for offering to jump in this tonight. Uh, People had asked for it. So we're going to get Nathan, then I'll go, and then we're going to get Mick in there. Um, so that uh, he can get his question in. And meanwhile, I will mix it, see what happened with Corey. And uh, Nathan, please take it away, sir. All right, here we go. So, uh, so Deb, I know you're familiar with some of the claims that David Grush has made. And in particular, he's talked about this hyperdimensionality to the phenomena. Some of these objects may be in higher order dimensions and they're sort of projecting down into our dimension, much like a 3D object casts a shadow on a sidewalk. And I'm wondering, uh, since you are kind of a, a one-dimensional person in the show here, um, what's the real Deb like in the higher dimension? Have you thought about Ooh. that? And, uh, and also, <laughs> the joke <laughs> yeah. aside, I would like you to talk about, you know, what, what is your perception of the higher dimension aspect of the phenomena and even of yourself? And I think that that's a fair question. Okay. There's many dimensions to that question, actually. Mm-hmm. Ooh! <laughs> so Arthur C. Clarke... fire actually, already. <laughs> um, I was... Okay, first of all, Arthur C. Clarke, um, I believe, was one of the people who tried to explain this to people. He did a video that tried to show people what it'd be like to observe another dimension, which was fascinating. But additionally, I was one of those people who read... Um, the book i think it was called flatlanders back when i was a kid so i i think my brain was open to this pretty early on this idea of there being an additional dimension and also i play video games so i understand the difference between three-dimensional and side scrolling you know so um but the this new thing that they're throwing in about interdimensionality when it comes to the phenomenon i'm having a hard time 
wrapping my mind around it completely. I feel like it's really far away from Occam's razor. Um, Occam's razor, the simplest solution would probably be that they're something on our planet, right? Um, then we go a little further out and it's still kind of believable that they could be something from another planet. Adding another dimension is literally going a little far, but I think um, nowadays we have so much new understanding about um, theoretical physics because the public can digest it now that we're more open to these theoretical ideas. Um, so I didn't answer what I was in another dimension, but well, I, I will say... talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the people talk about the higher self, right? And do you yeah. kind of align with so that concept? Yes. Yeah, so I have had in a meditation an encounter with a being um, that was a light being. And the being said that they were both myself and my grandmother, which was very strange. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, someone I interviewed had a similar experience. So I thought that was especially strange because theirs was not in a meditation. Mm. Um, and I've, I've tried to understand it, but just like when they said they were myself and my grandmother, I didn't fully understand that. I think there's just a lack of our ability to completely wrap our brains around those things if that makes sense <laughs> like yeah. how how does that make sense <laughs> you know well, right it's we only can operate in sort of the three dimensions that we're accustomed to and so while yes we can understand there being other dimensions really truly conceptualizing them is, is quite difficult so but thanks for answering that was a great great answer right i, I did that right before lunch i, I can say hey, <laughs> hey guys what's up benji welcome how is it? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I just uh, I got the invite from DJ. I wanted to say what's up to Deb real quick, but uh, hope everybody's well. Hope everybody had a good New Year's. Thanks, man. Happy New Year. Absolutely. Before we just cut cut uh, Benji loose to ask his question, just wanted to tell everybody in the chat is a longtime friend of Cab and Cab fan member is uh, Benji might be. Uh, you'll see him on uh, Twitter or X, as we call it, and uh, got to have dinner with Debs uh, not very long ago uh, up in Maryland. So uh, one love to Benji. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and we really value that. Uh, that you've hung with us since basically the the beginning of cab. Please uh, go ahead and ask Debs your question, and then and because you got to get uh, back to work, and then we'll get Mick in there. Please. You say hanging in there with you guys like you're doing terrible work, but it's quite the opposite. <laughs> so you know. No, I, I you know I'm no. He's like Tom I'm not. on the outside of the airplane. He's just barely. <laughs> um, but. Deb, something um, I wanted to ask everybody, as, as you know, we had dinner with Corey and also Josh, you guys, I'm sure, both friends of the show as well. And mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get to ask this question while we were there, so I'll ask it now. What do you think it will take to have mass disclosure? Okay, so I've given this a lot of thought. Um, so... If we were to have um, something land and something come out, people still would not believe that because, frankly, they would be like, oh, well, that's a video. Someone pulled that off the sci-fi channel, you know. So filming it, having national coverage of it wouldn't be enough. If a president went to a podium and said this is real, 
that would not be enough because some people would say, oh, if they're off their rocker, <laughs> right. you know, someone fed them misinformation. It really boils down to people overcoming their disbelief. Um, and I actually was thinking about this today because, frankly, there's so much evidence that it takes more to disbelieve it, in my opinion, if you research it, <laughs> than it would be to believe it. But people are trying to protect themselves. They're scared. So that's why disbelief is like the, the guardrail for them. Um, I think what it would take would be for everything to happen. <laughs> like it would be everyone sees something in person that they can't deny. Um, the entity that lands is accessible. Um, the entities bring the hybrid children that they've been creating to come talk to us, you know, um, and that they um, are there for a while, that they're not just absconded off into a base somewhere, that people are going to have access to them. This is how people overcame their disbelief about gorillas, just the exposure, like, or the giant squid, like exposure, like and once once it becomes normalized, people are over it. It's not that big a deal. It's not a scary thing anymore. But we haven't done that yet. So that's my answer. 100%. Nice. I got a follow-up if I can ask a follow-up. Yeah, go please. please go. Deb, in your opinion, what does communication with them, the others, whatever vernacular you'd like to use there. What does that look like to you? Okay, so I definitely think that that's happened in a few ways. Um, one, I think that they have sort of impressed imagery on people quite a bit. I believe that they've used some electromagnetic manipulation um, so that they can convey information to people. Um, for some reason, they've also just sort of dumped information into some people and then said, oh, you'll get to it later because your brain just can't handle it right now, which is like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's like what would happen if we try to give an encyclopedia to an ant or something, right? <laughs> totally. But I, I do think that they do a lot of physical showing, you know, like they like, well, some of the sightings that people have are like a hello, like that's their way of saying Hello, we're here. Um, it's also occurred to me that they might be doing something so far out of our understanding that if we don't sit down and put all the pieces together, we're not going to get the alphabet, if that makes sense. Um, like, I, I think it was, if we had been organized with this topic in the beginning and really communicated, we might have gotten some really clear messaging from the beginning um, if someone had decoded it. But um, so, yeah, communication comes in a lot of forms, but I would never, ever assume that what people are hearing when they have a verbal communication is necessarily what they think they're hearing. I think it's more like, um, how do I put this, um, an emission that is something that our brain interprets, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's the, what comes to mind immediately is what they're doing with... Um... Uh, I can't even think of the word, but acoustic frequencies with mm, uh, yes. humpback whales. I was reading yeah, about I, that 
couple of weeks David ago. David Altman and Dave Dave Mason and yeah, that was that blew our minds when you told us that literally like mm-hmm. right on air. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, well, guys, do you have an issue with an? In, in, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Benjamin. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Unfortunately, I got to jump out of here because I'm being yelled at at work right now. So, <laughs> thank um, you so much for doing guys, this. Uh, if you guys see any jellyfish flying around out there, just keeping that handy because we might need them. I want my wetsuit on if we see them. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Benji. I appreciate it. Hi, Hi, Benji. Always so good to see him. Mm-hmm. It totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Party people, put your hands together for Corey, Jacques, Keel, Banks. <laughs> Woohoo! And again, and amen. Ha, ha. Amen. <laughs> hey, what did you say? We said amen. <laughs> amen. Nathan's in the house. Yes, DJ what's up? <laughs> and oh, lady of the evening, Deb is in the house. That's right, man. We come to celebrate my homegirl. Uh, real quick, uh, we don't have a tile ready for you, uh, everybody, but we wanted to talk about Disclosure Team. Uh, Vinny, we're doing uh, this uh, month-long um, promo, cross-promo with Disclosure Team and Vinny. Man, he just had on Michael Schratt, Nathan. <laughs> He's unstoppable. Yeah, he had someone else on, too. That was really that was really big. I can't remember, but I was like, oh, wow. He's doing Thank really you. Good. Yeah. There it is, disclosure team with uh, Vinny Adams. I know Corey. He is. I mean, he's just he's fire, man. He's fire. Um, right now, where he's staying, the internet is just not as good, so he's not doing live. But uh, once he makes a move and gets to a spot with better internet, he'll go back to doing live again. But uh, it doesn't matter. The guy can can he can just he can draw he can draw people in. He gets amazing guests. He has great insider stuff, and uh, we're very proud to call him a friend and to do a cross promotion with him. So go and check out disclosure team. Um, he is very active on Instagram. Uh, obviously he is on X and, uh, follow him on YouTube. And he also has, um, I, I believe his pod is available. He has a, a Patreon, I believe. So, um, check into that disclosure team, Vinnie He's our homeboy. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Um, now let's get back to the lady of the hour. Um, Debs, I, I'd like to just piggyback off of what you, what, um, our friend Benji and it's like, Oh, you know, we, it's like they did like the hand slap, you know, and, and, uh, Benji's out and tag team partner Corey's in. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but, um, Debs, do do you have, there's something that Nathan brought up very, very early in my friendship with him and us having off-air frank discussions about the phenomenon. Do, do you have an issue with messaging in terms of uh, intent uh, and, and, and that messaging? And I say that just because Benji brought that up. Do, what are your thoughts about message, uh, messaging and, and what intent may be behind that? And then I promise you, Mick, we're going to get to you. Please go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, I think we've talked off the air a few times about there's a level of distrust that I have about the messaging. This is something that Corey knows quite a bit from reading um, Keel, but there's a lot of deception. There's a lot of you're going to know something and then that doesn't happen. Um, You know, we're going to tell you something's going to happen and then it doesn't. Um, I, I don't know if it's 
us misunderstanding a message or maybe they're saying this could happen, you know, but I feel like we need to be careful about um, these messengers. Um, we have to, you know, just continue living our lives no matter what they want to say to us, you know, and be like, hey, you want to, it's like having a prank phone call sometimes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, this is the butcher. You ordered a pound of meat. I'm sorry, that was one of ours. Right. I, 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 yeah, I also questioned like some of the um, possible manipulations from a psychology perspective, like using people's loved ones. Um, you know, like, like Whitley talked about that in his book. He saw, you know, family members that had passed. Um, and, you know, what is that pacifies someone, right? So I, and then also this message of you're special and you're part of our family, you have to be careful about all that. Um, I think, you know, until we have them sitting in front of us and we're having a lengthy conversation, I, I'm not going to be comforted by these quick little messages that get impressed on us. If we could take that same question through Nathan and then Corey, uh, Nathan, intent and ha has your position evolved uh, or changed, or is it the same in, in terms of messaging from some of these intelligences? And then, then Corey, after that. Yeah, I mean, that's a super tough question, very challenging, very complex. I was thinking, Deb, as you were talking there about like bird calls, we might go out into nature, we might do a bird call to get the bird to show itself just so we can kind of interact with it. And there's nothing malicious about it. We just, you know, want the bird to appear so we can have an interaction. And it made me think about what you were saying in terms of using images of loved ones or whatever. It's kind of a stilted way of conversing with us, not using our, our own language. Uh, maybe there's a translation problem. Maybe there's just an, an attempt being made to connect with us on a certain level, um, but in a more complicated way, since we're, you know, we're bringing in emotions, we're bringing in history with those images. Uh, there are all sorts of things bound up in those kinds of projections when it comes to the human mind. But I also think in terms of, uh, you know, D DJ, when you and I were talking about early on about this, there's this issue of kind of parody. You know, do we have any kind of, uh, I don't know if it's intellectual, the right word, but is there is there a parody between us and them? Right. And if there's not, then it's essentially like, if I were to sit down and play a game of chess with not just the best chess player on earth or the best AI chess player on earth, but the best, you know, even above that, like there's not really, right. I'm not really even having, it's not a fair game by any sense of the word. So whatever move they make, whatever thing that they're doing, I'm going to interpret it in a certain way, but, but they have a much more complex or complete view of that game and interaction than I do. So I'm basically at their mercy to a certain degree. So you can take that kind of adversarial perspective, which really puts, it pits me against them using that kind of game analogy but if you take a sort of more macroscopic perspective that maybe we're all a part of the same thing, that they are a part of us and we are a part of them, then it's a little bit less daunting. Sort of um, they're on another sort of path or just a different iteration of what we are. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's like, can, can you hurt yourself? I mean, yes, you, you can, but you, you, you feel the consequences of doing so. Just like if they were to hurt us, you know, there may be consequences that they feel in doing that. So it, it again, incredibly complex. I don't, I don't 
pretend to have a total answer on this, but it, it is something we need to be thinking about, particularly if they become more open in, in their relating with us, you know, how do we trust them? You know, how do we um, have a, a, a kind of, the, what are the hallmarks of human relationship that we're going to be looking for and developing those things with whatever these things, these others happen to be? I think that that'll be a tremendous challenge. I think it's encapsulated in that experience by Terry Loveless when he said, this being looked me in the eye and instantly I knew that it knew everything about me, everything that's ever happened, everything that will happen, my hopes, my dreams, my fears, my strengths and my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Complete transparency, basically. Yeah. Right. Corey, what's your, your feeling about messaging and, and what, uh, trust, what's your, your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, as I was listening to Nathan, I was thinking about the film, uh, contact, you know, mm -hmm. Carl Sagan's film, uh, was it 1998? And there's a scene where she meets what initially seems to be her father. And, uh, and you, you realize that it's just uh, beings who used imagery that was in her head as kind of a, a positive segue to communicate with her. And when, wow. they, when she confronted him about that, he didn't deny it, that he, he thought that this would be easy for her. And uh, I say that to say there seems to be a spectrum from something more benign, maybe say like that or what Nathan was talking about to where you know people have interactions and they're given um, instructions or they're said you are the such and such messiah and you must uh, recruit and you must uh, go out and you know preach this new gospel and uh, so you know you look at the history of cults a lot of the the leaders of cults uh, do claim to have had some kind of a supernatural event uh, you know something uh, something more powerful some kind of a being gave them a message it was compelling enough for them to go down a you know this faithful path so that seems to be more on the the malignant um you know side of side of things so it seems to be a spectrum just like humanity and uh when when i read just like the literature and i look at the cases that's what i see i see things that were very helpful for people that help to enlighten them. But then I see things that were very destructive um, and um, yeah, self-destructive for people. And it uh, really debilitated their lives. I was asking actually for some extraterrestrial intervention. I was putting together an entertainment center and I was calling out to them for some instructions and just, <laughs> and nothing happened. I, you know, Nathan, you struggle, you know, you're like, this doesn't look like the way it looks in that photo. Yeah. Those diagrams, man. Let's talk. Well, Let's talk. it depends if you're if you're reaching out to to guy aliens or girl aliens. The guy aliens, <laughs> exactly. instructions. She might have been like, it. "Yeah, she's like, look, I don't, I don't, I don't do entertainment centers." Anyway, let's get. <laughs> no, no, no. That was that was the opposite way. That was on guys right there. I think. <laughs> guys, yeah, we don't use instructions. Oh. Yeah, just the what girl is it? aliens may have handed you a pamphlet. They probably you know saved it. We just. I'm like, I don't out. need that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and Nathan saying that word stilting reminded me of British stilton cheese. I don't know. I don't know how that came into my head, Nathan. That's what my big takeaway from your dissertation. <laughs> stilton cheese. I'm kidding. But speaking of the UK, let's get to Mick. Uh, Mick, uh, my friend, we'll get your question in there. Hey, Debs, early question for you. Where do you stand on free will and not free willy? Don't go there, Debs. 
um, the experiment that says decisions are made in our brains whilst we still think the decision is being made. The decision been made. Mick, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to clarify this. So Nathan, go ahead and I, I do can, some. I think Deb probably understands, but you know, essentially, there's neuroscience that says when we think we've made a decision, our our neurology and our brain has essentially already made the decision before we're aware that we've made it. Oh, okay. See, Mick, you're reading a lot more studies than I. What What do you think about that, Deb? Is it that well, uh, free will? And okay, so they're still trying to figure out the brain. I've kind of dabbled in some of the neuroanatomy stuff for fun, um, and they're still making discoveries. Right. Um, I will say that some of the decision making that we do happens um, in the prefrontal cortex while we're sleeping. When we're dreaming, um, we kind of pre-plan and pre-practice things in advance. But um, whether or not it's something that comes from externally outside of the brain, is that part of the question, you think? Is that what we're trying to figure out? Nathan? I mean, I think there's this element of free will. So free will is super important to us. Like It's a big part of our... Uh, our own agency and do do we have agency in the world can we make decisions independent of you know, other factors so free will has been hyped up as this really really important thing that we want to we want we like the idea that we have freedom in the world and i think what nick is getting at there is that if these entities can interact with us at that layer of our physiology that is below our conscious awareness do we even have freedom at all like essentially they're kind of manipulating us or could be manipulating us at the level that you know we have no control but we think we're making the decision well i think that humans have demonstrated a ton of free will frankly in history <laughs> i was i was thinking about this a lot of people talk about the united states and say that it's divisive i heard ross colthart talk about that recently but I was thinking, instead of thinking of it that way, we're rebellious. The United States is rebellious. It's been rebelling against everything since it existed. Like, that's so. how it came to exist. Um, so not only does the United States represent <laughs> free will against their <laughs> their tyrant king, right? Um, so now it's the continued demonstration of free will against the government that's causing that in the, like people to think we're divisive um that's just who we are we're rebellious right i just i don't think that it's as wired as people think you can purposely choose to do something different even when it's at a conscious level and you're like oh i really should go do this, but you're like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to. I really should stop eating this cake, but you know what? Nah, I'm going to eat the whole cake. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, I ice cream. <laughs> but I do think what he may be implying is another issue, which is a bigger bigger scope issue. Like, are humans um, set on a path as a whole? And I do suspect there might be something to that, but the individual, I think, has free will. Nice. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I think the suggestion that these, and I, I'm not saying that I hold this position. I think the suggestion is is that you think you're that you think it's free will, but you're being it's insidious 
you know, intrinsic in is that you don't know you're being manipulated. I'm not saying I advocate for that position, but uh, I think that's what the position is. Is that right, Nathan? Yeah, he's he's hinting at in the comments, you know, essentially mm-hmm. like who is in charge? Are we in charge of our own lives? Do we have that autonomy? Or are we beholden to these other beings that can interact with us and manipulate us at these levels that are below our conscious awareness? You know, are we just kind of puppets on the ends of the string, you know? I think I think there's honestly a lot of levels to this. Like there's the anthropology evolutionary aspect like we created. uh, Sapiens was a great book for this, by the way. Um, we created some like invisible roles for ourselves that are not actually uh, things that are real. We just decided that they were real and lived by them. So that that kind of damaged free will, you know, then there's this uh, anxiety that people have um, because of like the fear of predators that stems from our ancestry, (laughs) you know, like um, this, like we don't, Normally, we would not choose to have anxiety, but because back in the day, we had to run away from tigers, you know, that's part of who we are. So it's a, it's a complicated question, but I think um, when it comes to, like, in face of something else being in charge, like, I mean, we kind of always have something else in charge. And, like, there's no, like, top dog of the planet. You know, there's always someone else in charge, even... The presidents have people who tell them what to do. Um, so I don't know. Like it's it's a question of what exactly do we mean by free will. But I do think as an individual, you can choose to put down the cake or not. <laughs> Deb, just 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 to drill down on this a little further before we say hello to Science Bob and uh, your friend from Roswell. Um, and. Do you think that the phenomenon had a hand in like making really bad pizza uh, and things like pineapple on pizza? Do you feel like that, that there's been a, an intervention there, an outside intervention on really bad pizza? I think if anything, they probably gave us some recipes to make better pizza because, you do. yeah, because oh, I've, so th- <laughs> I've had some so pizza in Italy <laughs> They gave me a pizza with blue cheese. And I was like, what is this? All right. So Nathan, they have actually helped us to get to a great Neapolitan pizza. And in some cases, uh, a great New York pizza. Would you be willing to accept that, Nathan? Uh, Yeah, I will take any pizza recipe that is available. Um, (laughs) Even blue cheese. I look, I I like all kinds of pizza. I like blue cheese. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I am for both of that, man. We'll need to have a cab pizza next time we get together that that has some sprinkling of blue cheese with the little, you know, the little veins of blue. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Science Bob, hello, and thank you so much. It's been so long, it seems like, since we had you and Lala in here. Uh, We need to to get you back, Uh, and I don't care what we talk about. I just want to have you on again. Um, you guys were so much fun. And what is your friend's name, the Roswell Daily Record, I believe, the journalist? Toby? Yeah. Yeah, that's our friend. Hi, Toby. Toby. How are you? Welcome. He had Toby. an important Yeah. He had an important question. He wanted Oh, let's to, go. He let's wanted go. to it? know what we stole from his desk at the Roswell Roswell Daily Record. What did you steal, Deb? Did you take his stapler? So oh, we just went 
and sat down at his desk and took pictures. I swear we did not steal anything, but we did steal the image of his desk when we took those pictures. Ooh, there you an unauthorized photo, Toby. I think that this is cause for legal action. If you would uh, DM Nathan about this. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I guess did, did you get? Let me see what else we got here. Um, conscious had some good ones already. Miklas says Danny Sheehan thinks it's ETs and they're here for good. Are they? Well, we kind of we kind of just talked about that. Uh, but if if you think there's something else on, in that, Deb, then please fire away. And then Nathan and Corey take a shot at that as well. I think I know where Nathan is on that. Right. So the, the, the issue of us being a commodity, um, which is interesting, is I've spoken to someone. Um, his name is Earl Gray. And he works. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really Likes his tea. Name. That's, that's his name. Um, and he... he spoke about you know what experiencers have been reporting and there has been a reduced amount of like the harvesting that has happened in the past um so you know do they need us for that anymore i don't really think so i think they're past that frankly i just want to emphasize that as of 13 years ago human beings could have created another human being, right? And if we have that technology, I think they long since have had that technology. So I don't think they ever really needed us to create biological beings anyway. We're not a commodity well, that, that they didn't need us for that. Well, let's talk about that for a second, Debs, because we don't know, you know, even – even the great Donald Hoffman, you know, speaking, uh, listen to him speak with Lex Friedman. And that was one that James recommended to me. It's a great interview. We, he still, we still don't know what consciousness is. And so, um, even though we, we used us to create another us where, so all the theory is, is that they needed us to create another us because they, that that's just a theory. This is not, an assertion it's just a supposition is that um you know they they wanted material i mean there's enough men and women that uh and animals you know apparently where they've taken biological material to try to create something that most likely just like we say when they're hovering over all these different towns and cities and out in the woods we don't know what they're doing we're assuming it's a form of surveillance that's what we call it. That's our word for it. Is that exactly what they're doing? We don't know. But we're just extrapolating upon, uh, you know, uh, uh, a human form of, of gathering intelligence. So with them, you know, taking biological material, we're assuming they find some of these intelligences that have done that. And I'm not saying all of them have or do find some value in it. So there must be something in it. You know, Michael uh, Masters is going to, you know, talk about declining birth rate and what that might look like, you know, in several hundred years from now. So uh, maybe they're using it to try to grow a consciousness or a soul or something like that that they don't seem to be able to create uh, through technology. That's I, just. I'm, yeah. I'm leaning towards them 
doing a couple projects with the the biological elements that they've taken like the volcano at school i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> i i theorize <laughs> that they are um creating another planet that was not inhabited um another planet's population and i say that not because i'm just coming up with that off the top of my head but because of speaking to experiencers um that mm. they've been shown that these um other humans are on another planet like being taken there and that this planet is getting sick but um the other theory that i have which i mentioned a couple times is that they might be actually trying to create um hybrid children in order to have communication with us in a safer way that's a thought i'm sorry i, I i'm sorry love i was looking through here to make sure i didn't miss all right let, let's go through nathan if you would read uh, science Bob here just says commentary. Yeah, well, this goes along with what we were just talking about, uh, sort of their intent or benevolence or malignance. The nonstop experiencer stories of rape and fuel extraction and consuming our negative energy doesn't sound at all nice to me and says they do value us as intelligent consciousness. It's, it's, yeah, it's a widely held theory. It's, you know, we... We've all, you know, uh, that's kind of what I think. Anani T. Oh, oh, that's right. Anani T. I, you know what? We still love you, even though you like pineapple on pizza. So I, I don't want you thinking, you know, like and subscribe. No, I'm just kidding. So, so, so to, to address the idea of the consciousness harvesting and the soul harvesting. I literally I, thought you were going to say to address pizza. <laughs> no, I, I have to address it because this is, it's the other side. The one is the biological. Yeah. The other side is the yep. consciousness soul. Mm -hmm. People keep discounting accounts where people have said that these beings have a sense of humor they have uh attachment to their family members they have um shared about having their own religions they even um they have this non-corporeal uh like after one of them has died allegedly the spirit of the entity is still there and still around so i'm just saying that indicates they have consciousness to me um, is that even, from a prior iteration though is that the result of a prior yeah i'm 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 thinking that they have consciousness i think it's kind of weird of us to say that they don't frankly that we, they would need to harvest ours they might be interested in us and i strongly believe that they are in a psychological sense because they've done a lot of like psychological tests on people but i think they have their own consciousness and their own beliefs and their own loves and their own um life and experiences you know all of those things and we like completely roll that out because it's not human oh i don't well i hope you don't think i'm ruling it out oh no 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 i'm no, no i'm just making i'm just trying to extrapolate you know when when you know because i'm i'm an analyst i'm not a ufo researcher you know i'm not a bigfoot researcher um i'm just trying to analyze what i've heard and try to figure out why you know what and through a human lens obviously it's the only lens yeah. i have i can't use a, a phenomenal lens because i'm not one of them i'm human right that's all i can right so i just well, look at things that i've heard and in the amount and and uh the volume of these things and say okay well 
gee, they must find some value in it. What could that be? So right. anyway, it's let's worth get to saying. Can I just yes, say yes, one more thing though, DJ? Yes, ma'am. It is worth saying that there is discussion about not just you know what we call alien grays, but NHI that has existed for millennia that harvests our feelings which is different than consciousness, but they're harvesting emotional reactions and responses. So there is something to it still that's mm. not biological. I just don't think it's consciousness. Again, and we don't know what a feeling is, which is, which is also another interesting paradox there. Um, would you like to react to pepperoni, pineapple, and jalapeno, Deb? Uh. <laughs> that's a tough combination that's like a party in your mouth right there <laughs> okay. all right and uh, ufo intros hello uh i want to say great space you had the other night um i i heard you you had the young lady on uh talking about her experiences and uh, just did a fantastic job so check out ufo intros uh i've heard him do a couple spaces now excellent job uh, and I, I, I don't know, Nathan, do you, uh, or Corey, do you feel like UFOs have manipulated us into bad pizza? Um, if they introduced us to pineapple pizza, I thank them. I think pineapple pizza is phenomenal, man. So shots oh, out wow. to UFO or UFO Anon or ET Anon. ET Anon, ET, yeah. Yeah. Nathan. yeah. <laughs> I like pineapple pizza as well. I, I think it's great. So, um. I'm not aware of any uh, aliens interacting with the, you know, the pizza game. And uh, hopefully they like good pizza. And that's a, you know, a good bridge that we can draw, kind of have with them to Nathan. You know, <laughs> communicate. Sure slice, right? There we go. Nathan, Nathan yeah. would you please uh, talk to EXO and find out if we could... Uh, I, I mean, I think this is an issue that, that's, that's, that's worthy of discussion, you know, that, to, with the phenomenon, please. Um, yeah, it transcends the chip choice, I think. Uh, what people want <laughs> on their pizza. All right, please funny, the pizza message. Is kind of one of the foods that almost everybody in the world likes. You go to any other country and they've got like a pizza place. So, <laughs> so yeah, if you could uh, as quickly as possible, please get a hold of Excel and see if we can try to get an answer on this with uh, the phenomenon, with the, the intelligences he speaks with. Um, here we go. Shock Valet. Uh, what do we got here? Pineapple and blue cheese. <laughs> this really is transcending the, the no. potato chip thing. Uh, Mick is saying pepperoni. Mick, come on, man. I, I, you know, tell these ladies out there that you're a sexy Brit. You got, you know, get some other things on that pizza. I'd like um, cheese, man. I just like cheese on my pizza. I'm weird that way. Okay. We have a PhD here. He has spoken. Science yeah. Bob has spoken. Pineapple and ham, brother. 100%. That's a great 100%. one. All right, Bob, we're going to have to try to get some, gather some data here. Well, let's just start with the show. Uh, please raise your hands on the show for pineapple and ham. I mean, I, yeah, I'm a fan. Okay. I'm that's not too raising dead. my hand, sadly. Yeah. Okay. So we're only tuned. All right. So we're, yeah, right now, I mean, as far as in the chat, Deb, we are, we are really, Julie, could you weigh in on this, please? Pineapple and ham. Uh, all right, let's see what we got here. Uh, creamy gorgonzola, not the real hard <laughs> Okay, uh, let's see. Good to see you all. It's good to see you too, Bob. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. We would like to. We would like to get you back on. All right, 
Julie is about to speak here on pizza. Are you guys ready? Okay. Yes, Bob. Bell pepper. Extra cheese. Okay, Julie, are you like over at Little Caesars being like, yo, give me extra cheese on that thing? Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, what else we got here? Okay, so I th- I don't think Toby, I don't think he buys whatever Corey and Deb are trying to sell over here. I think Corey um, should explain because if he didn't believe me, maybe I don't know. I'm so honest. I don't know, Corey. You you defend me. Oh well, oh, I mean, man. It, there's a possibility that maybe I, you know, took something from Ooh. his desk and Deb didn't know about it. So like, Ooh. could be just something that I've been harboring since uh, we left Roswell. Corey, um, this is where you cop to that a UFO made you do it. That this was. Manipulation. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We're going to take this question through Deb and then uh, Corey, then Nathan uh, about the buried UFO. This is a great question uh, here by Mick. Um, Deb, you have done a lot of research on uh, and have consumed a lot of stuff. And uh, about this, uh, what is your, you know, educated take on where you think this is this, uh, buried ufo that ross coltart is that the one that ross coltart speaks of am i getting this right guys it's the same yeah. one yeah so, it is so okay this might be the obnoxious answer but i think there's a lot of buried ufos um not only do we have a surplus of mounds in the united states alone but we have the like pyramids all across the entire world right some of which haven't even been fully um uncovered yet and who knows it they might be under those right they might be like a little marker that says where they are but um i have to say i didn't watch all of skinwalker um ranch um all of those episodes but i really did get the impression pretty quick that they might have had something under the ranch in the ground that was messing with them so i think they're all over the place and you know what i'm just going to point out again Rick Doty said that he stumbled upon one and had to call Earth Tech about it and Hal. And I don't understand why no one is all over that, that Hal was involved with the retrieval of a UFO. So, Was that a piece or was that a whole craft? That was in South Dakota, right? I, I don't remember the description, but it was definitely not something that they felt was human technology, okay. or at least that's not how Rick presented it to us. Yeah, he said it wasn't it had no rust on it and things like that. And any any kind of metal uh look will look weathered, whether it's stainless or not, if it's you know been in the ground for a long period of time. Uh Corey, what's what's your thought on that about the Ross Coltart buried UFO? You know, I don't know. I was I was surprised uh to hear that, especially that, you know, it, it was coming from uh you know, apparently a good a good source and I hadn't read a story like that before um i guess it, you know it's possible but i do i do gather that there's there's probably a lot of ancient civilizations that you know whose technology is is definitely like beneath you know below the surface so i don't doubt it at all that the last maybe, couple of days i'm sorry sir go ahead no i mean who knows you know when we started uh, having the ability to um to detect, you know, EM frequencies, and we start finding these spots across the planet that seem to be emanating, you know, some EM, you know, frequencies. And then we dig deeper, and we find 
a piece of technology and maybe it's still working, you know, and then we're like, oh, my gosh. What do we do now? (laughs) Did you guys hear that there's a whole nother planet in our planet? I, I posted about this a while back. They, they have discovered this giant body within Earth that probably collided with Earth some time ago. And I was like, does that make people rethink what Earth is when you realize that an entire other planet probably squished into ours? Well, I, I mean, J.R. Tolkien wrote about this. It's it's Obviously, it's Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Garth, I mean, you saw the Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's no mystery here. Uh, Nathan... Um, the more that, uh, let me put you up here or put yourself up there if you would. Um, I, you know, not that this just because of Ross Coltart brought this out, but I've been listening to another show. It's a husband and wife from Australia and they're really good with, they're extremely well read about UAP and, um, and, um, the, a lot of the aspects like you would cover on luminal frames as well as uh, a Bigfoot and so forth. And it, I just occurred to me that that would be a great place because there, you know, it, it kind of irritates them, the relationship that they have with the United States in terms of hiding things. And, and um, you know, the, the sub remember the nuclear sub comms were going through there. Uh, is that like a likely location where you think that that, that, that could be, uh, buried somewhere in the Australian outback or something. You know, it's certainly possible. I, I tend to lean towards Deb's position, though, that there are probably mm-hmm. a lot of things under the ground that we just aren't aware of, uh, or archaeological finds that we you know, did obtain when we were. There was a period in our history when the British Empire was rapidly just going around grabbing a bunch of stuff from all these places. <laughs> so, and who knows what they've got in in their you know kind of storage bins or whatever. Um, you know, it, I, I'm kind of frustrated with Ross for revealing that story because it, I'm not sure that it's done much good. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of, it's just one of those things that just a, it generates this buzz, but it's just like a lot of UFO anecdotes. There's no, you know, there's no payoff at the end of it. You're kind of just, well, okay, where might that be? What big structures are out there? Where, you know, and then we're just kind of left guessing about all these different possibilities. Uh, to me, it's kind of a distraction in a way. Like, I, I think it's really cool. And do I think that that's very possible? Absolutely. Sure. But you know, I, I personally try to spend a lot of energy on it because it's just not something that you know I can really do anything with. Um, like the size of it is certainly intriguing. If it's that large, they had to put a building on top of it. That sounds pretty cool. And it does relate to some of the accounts that we've heard in history of people seeing craft the size of football fields or what have you. Uh, those are things that would be pretty ontologically shocking if we saw them in mass in our skies. So yeah. we should, we should reframe the question too, because really what it was, it was not about a buried UFO. The, the question was really what Ross brought up was really about a craft that they discovered that was so big that they had to build a building around it. And somebody asked me this, one of our friends, ask me about this and and how something like that would go down and i said immediately they would if if something like that if they actually found something like that they would um they would uh, put out a contract immediately to go and get a circus tent type of uh enclosure you know any literally any type of the largest fabric that you could you know find anywhere 
and get that moving over there and cover it. And then the second thing they would do would be to, uh, after you covered it and constructed potentially some sort of a circus tent around it. And then the next thing you would do is you would, you would obviously, they would build some corrugated aluminum type, uh, warehouse structure that could look like any, any warehouse on earth around, around the craft that that's what I would assume. Um, they, they would uh, do is particularly if you have some one of these things and you can't take it apart, <laughs> you know, it's not like you're going to go, Hey, let's go get a, you know, cutting torch and see if we can just cut it in half so that we can get it on several flatbeds. You know, I mean that you guys know what happened with supposedly Bob Lazar's work, uh, predecessor, uh, there, uh, when they tried to, to cut into one of these, uh, charged materials with a, with a torch, a plasma torch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. which is a very, very powerful cutting tool. Anyway, um, yeah. Does anybody have anything else, or should we go? Uh, we have something here, Corey, uh, from a non-ET. I want, no? as of course, was going to say something. Sound like he wanted to make. A- yes, sir. No, no. Keep moving. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Mill Labs, Debs, uh, Oak Ridge has gotten some Thanks. traction lately, and and Dugway and Sandia Labs and uh, right. Air Force Research Labs, etc. It's funny because we were just also talking about this um, because DJ and I have conversations off the air about all kinds of things. There are numerous accounts of soldiers being involved with the phenomenon. Um, There are some claims that soldiers are involved with the abductions. There are claims that um, entities... um, may be wearing clothing, look like soldiers. You know, there's all kinds of things that relate to this. But the thing that stands out for me the most is the story of um, the line of soldiers that seem to be hypnotized. So my question is, is it really the American government coming out and abducting people or are they are there humans that are being manipulated to do the abductions like that's a question that i'm always going to have um so i cannot say for sure what i think about that i also think if you have the ability to have someone perceive something that could be one of the things that you throw in there so they're not freaking out about what you actually look like so I don't know what I think about my labs other than I'm, it's still an open, open question for me. And guys, I just want to say we're almost out of time. It's we, we got to get Nathan out of here at uh, nine o'clock. He's got more work to do. So if you did you and did you guys have anything on uh, Mill Labs or should we just keep pressing? Uh, we got another couple of questions in the chat. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm good on that, but I, I did want to get one question in before I take sure. off, if I could, um, yep. because I know this is really important to Deb and really want to get her thoughts about it. So, Deb, you've spent more time than I think most of the people I know in this community talking with experiencers and uh, experiencers from all different you know, backgrounds and types of experience. And I wonder, have you come to any kind of firm conclusions on you know, what it all means. And then also, how do you think we're going to be able to work in the experiencer aspect of this phenomena into larger disclosure? It seems like we're going to have difficulty reconciling these two big pieces of what kind of the government has and then what people have been going through over the generations. Okay. There's two parts to that. Okay. What it means. 
Um, so I, I said that there's been some suggestions provided by NHI to experiencers about why, why they're being involved occasionally, right? Um, sometimes it seems like the NHI is just like hovering and saying, hey, hey, what's up? How are you? You know, that's actually an experience I've had. Um, and I and I know Max talked about having a similar experience initially. It was like, hey, what's up? I'm this shiny, beautiful thing that you're going to look at. Um, sometimes the experience in terms of sighting has been an intimidation, believe it or not. Like people don't talk about that enough. But sometimes people have felt fear. Sometimes I think it's almost like a message when it's the sighting, right? Um, but in terms of people who have encounters with entities i think of Artie six killer clark's books and she talks about there's lots and lots of different entities and they have a lot of different agendas and the truth is they could all be from one other planet like people don't think about that because we're so used to just being homo homo sapiens right but all of them could be <laughs> from another planet and two different grays may have two different agendas. Like people forget that too. Two different humans certainly do. Right. Um, so they're doing a lot of different things. Um, some of them are doing psychological experiments on people. Some of them were doing the biological retrieval of material. Um, some of them were like, oops, I didn't mean to run into you. You're not supposed to be seeing me right now, right? There's no, I haven't had two experiencers tell me exactly the same experience yet. So uh -huh. if I had, if I had to come to a conclusion about that, that means it's more about the individual experiencer than the experiences. I think um, each experiencer has something very different happen to them. And that's partly how we perceive things. That's partly um, of how open that person is. That's partly that person's background. And then maybe something underlying that we don't even understand, like the caudate putamen. So, I'm really proud of you for, for pronouncing that. I remember when we had a difficult yes. time getting that out. So you've come a long way, Deb. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. That was a great answer. answer. <laughs> that was a great answer. Not the second right. part of the question, though, just because I did have a two, it was two parts there. So I hate to push you on it, but yeah, I know. I got to get to the second part. So the second part is I've noticed that the recent 2V documentary that some of our friends are in, um, there was like a preview on Weaponize where they mention abductions. And I'm like, well, thank God, because we keep acting like that's not a part of it. Um, it is a part of it. These experiences that people are having, their encounters, the human effects, the physical, the mental effects, this is a part of the discussion. The government has been slowly laying out the groundwork for it. They have language for it. It's supposed to be part of Arrow. Um, they had a task force for Havana syndrome, which they recently renamed anomalous health incidents. The State Department was a part of that. Um, anomalous health incidents is a little broader, isn't it? Isn't that a peculiar thing? Such a broad term. So it could encompass some other things like UAP encounters. So that's in government language now. They're laying out the groundwork for having the conversation. I just think that the government is afraid of the potential lawsuits and panic with that topic. 
So they need to be very careful about how they lay this out. Um, and one thing I, I would discourage people from doing is to think that it's the government's fault. Like, what are they supposed to do about that? Right. You know, like they can't be in every single person's house. That's not realistic, but they should Force have, field. I do. They can't even say, you know, you know, be aware. So you can be cautious about this because this is something that just blindsides people constantly. Like they could be driving and it could happen, you know, like how are they going to stop it? Um, but you know, it'd be good for us to be prepared to treat it which is what I think the groundwork is for at this point. Mm -hmm. Hey, Deb. Mm -hmm. You remember when, uh, I think it was Senator Kennedy, like the current Senator Kennedy, uh, I think he was leaving a, U a UAP briefing and he said something to the effect, like lock your doors, uh, lock your doors tonight or something. <laughs> That's not that? going to work. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just weird. And, and it just made me question, what did he, you know, what kind of briefing did he have? And why would he kind of say something vague and ominous like that? But um, oh, weird. I feel like if was... you don't have that little chain, if you have that chain, they can't get in your house and abduct you. You know, you, you have once you have that, uh, I think they, they can't get in. What's I really thought it was the rabbit's, foot, the rabbit's foot that I have next to my bed. Right. <laughs> but but you know what they like people invite this sometimes and then they regret it afterwards like there's people who like like us we look onto the phenomenon right so is it would it really surprise any of us if it comes to us because we're so intrigued and we're around people who it comes to like should it like if you invite it in that way it's kind of on you at that point right but <laughs> What are you going to do? They go through walls. They go through windows. They go however they want. They can bring you outside. There are people who just walk themselves outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. They absolutely. can take total control of you. Yeah. Right. I, I, I've had people ask me, is there something you can do to stop it from happening? Um, and I think, honestly, it's a matter of having them recognize you as um, a strong individual. And some people have used like prayer to do that. Some people have focused intent to like say, you know, I'm not something that's going to hurt you. Um, and some people have um, just sort of set a boundary that for some reason it's understood that that's not going to be crossed. And I don't know why that works, but those are like, it's almost all psychological. I've, I've used a different method. I have, um, and I've done this for years. I'll order, and I do it like on a night when I feel like I'm vulnerable, I'll order like a Domino's with a Brooklyn crust and the, uh, you know, in the pineapple. And I'll just put those slices around the bed and they won't come near me. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you know, in ancient traditions, they use salt they and iron. Right. To Maybe that's these. what that pink Himalayan salt, Nathan. They mm -hmm. cost them damn much at Whole Foods. Yeah. Thanks. Sprinkle that. All right. We got to get Nathan out of here. We promise we get him out of here. Um, <laughs> so it puts yourself up there again real quick. Um, so yeah. everybody, you know him at A Wave Soul. Uh, he is the host of Liminal Frames. He is the host of Perturbations. And I don't even know what secret things that he's got going on and that he's plotting and planning. Please do like one of those, Nathan, if you would. 
Um, there are some books and some things that he's got in the works, some fiction I know about, and I don't know what else uh, he might be writing. Um, but yeah, check him out. Go follow this man. Go listen to his damn awesome podcast, and uh, we will see you soon. Who who do we have coming up next? I don't even remember. I got to look at the cabbie calendar. Hopefully, um, James. Uh, oh, is it, yeah, Iandoli. Yeah, it's right, on the 21st, right, because I'm going to be away this weekend, and then we're having James on the 21st. So, yeah, come back, and Deb will try to dissuade James from decades of doing CE5. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right, Nathan, you're great, guys. Deb, you're bye. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. you do. Corey, great to see you as always. Y'all take hey. care. All right, peace, brother. Um and so let's let's try to get the rest of these questions, Deb, as as best we can. We've got uh, Jules here, um, and so and Corey, if you want to weigh in on any of these, please do. Um, yeah. If you had the time and inexhaustible funds, um, what would you? What rabbit hole would you funnel those funds into to deep dive, Debs? Okay, so I'm obsessed with the brainwave thing, the theta brainwave state. The state that people get when they're hypnotized, daydreaming, a certain level of meditation, which tends to be the one where I start having weird experiences. So I would have to get the new headband that measures the brain waves. And I would probably be handing it out to experiencers, right? Like, and I know some people are doing this project now, by the way. Um, astral is working on this um, and mm -hmm. he's talked about it publicly. Um, mm. But this is the, like just learning more about neuroanatomy, I think is so important. And then coupling that with quantum physics, I think it's gonna give us a lot of information. I really think this is a part of a lot of it. The electromagnetic spectrum is a part of mm -hmm. a lot of this. Um, things like terahertz, um, metamaterials, um, communication why whatever's going on in our brains might be information that is going pretty far away from us um some of our psi abilities all of it seems to be connected to the brainwave state and electromagnetic spectrum mm. man you'd have you'd have a good time with darren and nathan talking about did the brain make consciousness or or did consciousness make the brain Corey, do you have anything that you would want to deep dive your money into sir uh, yeah, I'm glad she probably a similar endeavor. I was thinking about, you know, a lot of the work done by uh, Dr. You know, Dean Radin, just looking at the exact same things, you know, trying to quantify uh, ESP, you know, abilities. And um, this kind of leans into a question that about free will earlier. Uh, in one of his studies, Dr. Dean Radin found that when we make a decision in the brain, that there's a three- second delay that they can that they can uh, verify is there before we're conscious of the decision so there's so, there, so there does seem to be um you know some proof that uh free will yeah maybe it maybe we, we have the wrong definition of what we think it is but maybe it emanates you know from somewhere else but i would put my money into uh validating these uh esp um uh, abilities that people seem to have um, like I know some people that I've met through ufology that are incredibly psychic, like they're, they're just really in tune with something 
And uh, I'd be curious to see, you know, how do we, yeah, how do we uh, amplify that if people want to, uh, if there is indeed that we all have this, uh, you know, baseline capability of, um, you know, some ASP. So there you go, Debs. Uh, they, they, you know, they both want to study ESPN there, Jules. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so Science Bob um, says that, uh, and as, as for me, I hadn't pondered that question, but this is really about Debs. So, um, seen claims that the UFO is buried under the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, which we all know uh, that Baghdad. Uh, represents the creator of civilization so that's really interesting I, I wouldn't be surprised that would be you know bob i've I've never thought of that that would be an amazing place to do like you know send carl vibe over there you know uh carl the crusher uh there i i i i, I would wow i never thought of that all the time i spent over there it's uh that 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 would be in fact today i yanked out my iraqi resident card that i had to get when i was working over there but oh, wow. anyway th that would be an amazing place to to do ufo research because it seems like a very likely place that that there would be something under the ground um here we go I, ufo i'm sorry yes please get dibs i would like to find out what people are walking around in mecca because they won't Ooh. let scientists near it. And some people think it is a meteorite. Um, but I would like to go get a closer look there. But it's it's a spiritual place. So you have to respect that. But I'm just saying there are things that we don't fully understand about our planet. And it's weird how we have amnesia about it. <laughs> you know, and things and objects that we have on display. <laughs> and we don't understand them either. Like Stonehenge. So, yeah. That's a fascinating thing. Uh, although I, I recommend we don't send you to the Hodge just because you're a girl. <laughs> okay. I'll take but, you. uh but yeah, it, that that's fascinating. I never thought of that, but that's another great place to look, Deb. So you and you and Science Bob are bringing it tonight. Um, so UFO intros. I'd like to hear both Deb and Jacques' recommendations on which valet book they'd suggest for normies. I need to give some of my uninitiated friends a compelling book on the phenomenon. Okay. Do you want me to go first on this one? Yeah. Oh, you're Debs. You get to go first on everyone. Okay. Okay, so yeah. I definitely say Passport to Magonia, I believe is how it's pronounced, mm -hmm. um, because that really opens the door for looking at history and human history and how it interacts with the phenomenon. But I think the fact that he has basically published all of his journals is really noteworthy because um, I have two of them. Um, I haven't read them yet because I'm almost like saving them because he's just giving out so much information about what was like, he's, he's at the center of a lot of things along with Hal Putoff, right? So those journals are pretty much key to finding out a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. Keel. He is the, I'm going to say he's the grandfather in my mind of UFO research. And I'm going to be on a Bigfoot show on the 17th as a guest and I will invoke Jacques Vallée's name. Anyway, go ahead, please, uh, Corey. Yeah, I think Passport to Magonia is, you know, is a really good one from, uh, if, if you're trying to understand the, how the phenomena parallels with 
you know, uh, our mythology, our mythology and the different fairy lores that we've had over time. But I would say also um, Invisible College, I think, was published in 1975. And it really it, it takes a very skeptical look at, uh, you know, the UFO phenomena, as well as ufology. And it also has like a sociological look you know it looks at the ufo community as a demographic and wow. you know, what is it they think and how do they think and where do they come up with these ideas and how does these ideas spread from one part of ufology to another and uh but it's uh I, yeah i would tell people like to start there just because he's he's very fair and reasonable um and he's not jumping to any conclusions so i think it's a uh yeah it's a good bread and butter for a valet and uh, just, but we're going to get to you, Leone D'Antonio. How you doing, Paisan? Uh, uh, basically, Science Bob said, uh, having read all of them in chronological order, I re- recommend doing it that way, and it is worth it. So you wonder why Science Bob is so smart. He reads a, l- he reads a lot of them books. Um, yeah. I read all so- the, the journals, too, the journals in chronological order, too. Deb mentioned that as well. You guys are, that's why you guys are so smart. That's why I, I admire. What, yeah. Please remind me what they're called. Cause I, I'm trying to peek on my bookshelf behind me and I'm like, they're buried. <laughs> well, he, he calls them like volume one through five. And then each, uh, each book has like a different name. Usually it's named after like where he was living at that time. Um, so I'm looking looking through my phone right now, Adam. We can, yeah, we can cover that offline. We got questions for Debs. Okay, she's a wanted woman. Um, yeah. Debs. What else? Uh, this one, this is from Leone D'Antonio, the paisan. And uh, if you could weigh in on the pizza uh, thing, and my last name's San Marco, so we can talk like that. Uh, <laughs> I would appreciate you weighing in on the pizza thing. Uh, Deb, uh, will more with more and more videos being leaked? And the likes of David Grush giving more details. Do you think we're going to get chaotic disclosure? Uh, and I, I wish put that in quotes, I guess, since that's the the operative phrase being thrown around lately. Do you think we're going to get chaotic disclosure fairly soon, Debs? So what I think is going to happen is not going to be chaotic at all. We're just going to keep normalizing this topic ultimately. So the next phase, it appears that several scientists in the UK have alluded to the fact that they're going to confirm that there are, in fact, living beings on another planet. Like, so recent, like, there's, like, someone who pulled all these different scientists talking about it um, together for an article and wrote about it. Um, so it's going to be things like that that are just going to be dropped. I think it's going to continue to be this drip drop method, but it's going to be a rapid one. Um, initially, when I came into this topic, things were dropping every two weeks. But now the things that drop, they take longer, but they're bigger. So it's more like big splashes. Um, do I think that the NHI are just going to land and freak us all out? like some people have envisioned, like actually quite a lot of experiencers have this vision. I don't think it's going to happen soon. Um, I think it's going to be a minute before that happens. And the, and the reason I think that um, is just because when, okay, this is just like the weirdest thing for me to say, but when I've tried to communicate (laughs) with external sources they're not ready to disclose because they don't trust humans. 
So Wait, I'm you're the one say. who told me to be careful doing that, Debs. I well, it's it's not like it's always intentional. Okay, let's just okay. say okay. fair enough. That there's like impressions that are made. Oh, and you've got your answer on your pizza thing, by the way. I did. <laughs> okay, we got. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Um, All right, we got to get the science Bob. Go ahead. Debs. <laughs> Okay, so Science Bob is asking about the yeah. energy used by our consciousness is not destroyed at our death, and it appears after, like, experiences, it maintains sufficient order to communicate at the deceased being. Yeah, so again, this goes with what I was saying about brainwaves, right? Mm -hmm. So if the brainwave, which we measure, is a waveform, waveforms don't stop. They keep going. Right? And if we are filled with energy energy never dissipates it continues some other way yeah so i'm just reiterating what he's saying in another way yeah that's I not really to. right no i have to i have to agree i mean that's it's uh that's the theory that uh, a lot of us are operating on uh but even like i said i listened to um um, I listened to that uh, Donald Hoffman the other day from UC Irvine and even that they, they don't, they don't know what, what it is, you know, they're theorizing and trying to come up with mathematical models and game theory and so forth to try to explain it. Uh, let's see how, when Deb, did you first, uh, become interested in the phenomenon? Right. So I actually, um, I'm not sure how to answer this because when I was very, very young, I was studying ghosts, um, like avidly studying, going to the library. I was taking notes. And then when I was in high school, I was studying magic. And I do that with quotes because there are religions when it comes to magic. So I looked at Wiccan and I looked at other things. I stayed away from the darker stuff, which is why... <laughs> When people talk about Aleister Crawley, my skin kind of crawls a little because there was some dark stuff there. Right. Um, and then when I was in college, I was studying comparative religion for fun. Like I was just like picking up the Quran or trying to read some Torah, you know, like just trying to understand um, all of those things. So if you are me, you think the phenomenon is related to all of that. And in terms of like UAPs, um, I saw a UAP, I guess now it was like seven years ago. It was, it was a minute ago. <laughs> and to me, mm -hmm. it was just not a big deal. And then like two and a half years ago, out of the blue, it was like, I have to help with disclosure. Mm. It was abrupt. And I just started studying everything and sharing mm. everything. I summarized everything for other people. And it was just out of the blue because, like, my life had nothing to do with it. And here I am now. It is a calling of mm -hmm. sorts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let me let me just get to Leone real quick. I'll laugh out loud. DJ, pineapple on pizza is fantastic. It can balance out the savory, spicy sausage or pepperoni or jalapenos quite nicely. I'm not opposed to it. Hey, hot honey on pizza is the thing now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Kind of like, uh, Corey, if you've been out to Albuquerque, the sopapillas, the little sort of Indian bread, and they'll dip it. It's kind of a Mexican Native American thing, I believe. And they'll dip it in that honey. Um, mm. And it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, mm. Yeah. If th those of you go to the Frontier Restaurant in Albuquerque, you'll be able to 
uh, get that with your meal. Um, I'll tell you what, Debs, you know, you just tons of consciousness pervades all. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, thank you for coming in, everybody. We got Paul Shields in here. It looks like it says cable, which uh, I've canceled cable, but not you. So anyway, <laughs> live. Uh, UFO intros. No, no problem with the plug. I really enjoyed your stuff and you seem like such a nice person. Chris Meyer. I remember you, Chris, because you were on some of the very first um, spaces I did with Debs. Um, so, yeah, welcome and thank you for... Um, um, for coming and joining us. I know you're an experiencer as well. Mick, come on, you're Mick. Uh, I do have to go through and uh, look at the stuff you've uh, shared with me. It's going to be a busy week. I'm heading home to New York this Friday to see my friends for just a quick weekend, and then I'll be back here. Um, yeah, so um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We would appreciate it. If you would uh, like and you would subscribe, uh, if you would leave a comment, that would also be good. We're trying to grow the show a little bit so that when I ask Dave Polites to come on and talk about missing 411, he doesn't say get lost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, you don't got a hundred thousand subscribers. I can't talk to you. But no, Dave, uh, it's fascinating stuff. We could do an entire show on missing 411. And uh, really, we should do it so that Deb can tell me all my hypotheses are wrong. Um, but I wouldn't. But remember, right after we talked about it last time, I went and found mm. the stats. And it's staggering how many people are missing. Just going to point that out. Staggering. Yeah, he has 1,600 cases, I think he's looked at. Um, it, it is, it's, uh, it's a whole topic. And Corey and everybody out there. Uh, I'm sure Jules is familiar with it, but if you haven't taken a look at Missing 411, The Hunted, Missing 411, The UFO Connection, um, and as a guy that does a UFO show, it's going to sound ridiculous if I say that there are a certain number of these sightings whereby people are hiking and they have a friend, a loved one, a colleague, a child that they've just spoken with and they turn around and that person's gone to use John D'Souza, the FBI agent's word who worked on the Unabomber and other cases, it doesn't lend itself to a prosaic um, explanation from a standpoint that if someone is physically dragged off, they're going to scream. There's going to be drag marks. There's going to be tracks. The search dogs can find them. And then, in these specific cases, and I'm not saying this goes for all the missing 411 cases, they bring the search dog up there and they start to sniff and they lay down. And it's very strange behavior. And it's those that I'm thinking something that I, a word I don't use a lot, but I'm starting to think portal and things like um, uh, that there is some sort of a UFO abduction because what else could sneak up and drag someone away so quickly uh, without anybody hearing and there's no sign of struggle and nothing is found, not shoes, not flashlights, pistols, headlamps, anything that that, uh, into fun, you know, cell phones, anything that that person has on them, they're just never seen again. So, um, you and it's what? happening in Yo Yosemite. There's more people missing from Yosemite national park than anywhere on earth. According to Dave, uh, David Polites. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Debs. 
I was going to say earlier when I was talking about abductions and how they come through the walls and all that stuff, I realized we were going to scare people, but then you mentioned that. So I just want to remind people <laughs> that even though we're talking about these scary topics, humans are very resilient. The earth is scary. Going on a plane is scary. Being in a car is scary. COVID is scary. Um, you know, all these things to tsunamis are terrifying. Um, we go through life with all of those things and we get out through the other side. So I'm not, I'm just reminding everyone how resilient humans are. Roadside sushi in Sri Lanka can be scary if there's not good refrigeration. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, but I, just to let you guys know, the audience know, we are going to do an episode with Terry Wendell from Rock Hill Bigfoot. Um, uh, he and his colleagues, they wrote a book about their experience when basically to make a story real short, there's a bunch of professionals. There was some law enforcement types, fire and ambulance types, Terry, and they were on a Bigfoot uh, research in Alabama. They won't say where. And literally part of the team, they had three teams and everybody had night vision. They had comms, they had a base central, and they basically saw their colleagues walk into a portal and then walk back out because they couldn't see anything when they walked into it. So Dave huh? Pilates said that these portals seem to happen when it's only one person alone, isolated, and they walk into a portal. And, and you know, if, if, if that's what's happening and because they're never seen again. But yet, Terry and his colleagues, they saw this portal. Uh, and they weren't out there looking for any sort of UFO phenomenon or anything. They were looking for Bigfoot. So, okay. Anyway. I have to ask. I have to ask this Please. question. Okay. I'm throwing this to an Ask DJ question. Sure. And then I'll ask Corey. If you had sure. a portal show up in front of you and you had the choice to walk through it or not, would you do it? For me, I would say no. Um, just because I don't, you know, I don't want to be one of those statistics. How about you, Corey? <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking like one in the hand, two in the bush, you know, like it might be amazing things on the other side, but, but I don't know. So I'll take what, uh, you know, what I know on this side. So no, we're not going to portal. How about, yeah. how about a ship? I wouldn't go on anything. Great I'm, one. I'm pretty... Um, I'm, I'm going say, on the ship guys i'm going on the ship <laughs> yeah you, you've been saying that since i've known you so i i know that to be true uh but for me um i i don't think so um just from a standpoint that um i you know i i don't know that we'd be able to come back you know just be it could be a little scary so i i would i would have to say no debs but that's why there's like know. a that's why there's diversity in this community, because if they do yeah. show up, not all of us are going to go and not all of us are going to stick around. So. So, Deb, we'll be rooting for you. I'll yeah. be flying the ship, guys. I'm going I'll, on it. I know. Deb. <laughs> <Alpha's been touring. laughs> Deb, Deb's a badass. She's made of some different fabric. Um, I want to um, I want to say thank, uh, thanks to. Uh, Corey, first of all, for coming and joining us as a special guest host. Um, we really appreciate you. Deb loves you. So that was great as well. Benji, you know, to be able to get Benji on Priscilla had like taken care of kid issues. So, 
Yeah, um, sorry, I was. That's what happened to me too. Honestly, I just got caught up in dad stuff, you know, like dinner and WWF wrestling with the kids, and then I saw your text, and I was like, "Oh man, I got to run downstairs." Um, yeah. Oh, but can I? I had a question I wanted to ask Deb. Sure. Can I throw it in there? All right. So Deb, there was this one time you were interviewing DJ Dooley, who is uh, quite a character who pops up every now and then, and you were asking him uh, a question. And the question was something like, uh, it's been speculated that we're all uh, characters in a big play. We're all characters in a play, and you know we have different roles. <laughs> that was Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. right. Well, even uh, like Diane Pasolka, you know, she talks about yeah. uh, muses, you know, like the Greek muses. Um, how those, you know, even if people talk about simulation, but. All right, let's just say, Deb, if that is the case, and you're a character in this disclosure, uh, what do you see your role as? And you can, however however you like to articulate it, your well, role or your, your uh, I don't know, purpose, any of that. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people who brush up against the phenomenon have one, right? Um, and I feel like mine is simply to help humanity deal, essentially. Like that, I'm boiling it down to help humanity deal. Um, and it goes both ways, though. It's like I get the sense that I also want to help NHI come peacefully without violence. And I don't know how that's going to happen yet, but I will tell you. That if someone calls me and says that there is an entity at a base that wants to talk to me, I'm heading over to the base. Deb, who's going to make Hamburger Helper if you do that? I'll drive you. I hate Hamburger Helper. Not doing okay. Hamburger Helper. Sorry. <laughs> Cable. Um, yeah, said uh, the that uh, Cable says. Uh, I don't know if you're a he or a she, uh, but Cable says that that um, they have missed some chances to go on a craft. Um, Chris Myers, basically Deb and I at the controls, uh, and cable says that chances don't come so easily. So I'm assuming cable that you haven't had another chance and you're hoping that you'll, you'll get that chance. Um, I hate him. I also hate hamburger helper <laughs> and Mick is, I mean, Mick's like, I'll be first there at the door. Yeah. Mick, I have no question at all. Uh, good night, uh, Anan E.T. Go eat uh, manjare, and uh, thank you for joining us again. Um, <laughs> guys, Julie, you're so funny. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, thank you, Jules. Thank you, everybody in the chat that joined us. You made this so much fun. Um, and Debs, um, thank you, buddy. Thank you for uh, answering the call. People uh, wanted to come in. And ciao, uh, Shock. Ciao, ciao. Um, and you came in and did it. So what was it like to be in the hot seat? <laughs> I, th I thought you were going to quiz me on FOIAs and stuff. I was like, I should go brush up on my knowledge. But I think um, I just had fun. It's always good to be with friends and to have these conversations. It feels good. 
um, to have room to speak about this topic. Um, it's not an opportunity that we get generally. <laughs> Those of us in the UFO community come back every day because we don't have people in our lives who are willing to have these conversations with us. So um, I had a, a lot of fun and I think we had a, um, some laughs today. And by the way, I ate pizza for dinner. So that was kind of funny that we kept talking yeah. about pizza. <laughs> You guys are making me hungry. Actually, I didn't. I, I was like, I'll eat dinner later. I've been hearing about uh, pizza and uh, something else you mentioned. I'm starving now. Pineapple. And <laughs> yeah, and my, my buddy Leone D'Antonio there just totally killed me on the pizza. So I feel so in the minority, Corey. This is terrible. Uh, well, actually, no, Deb's with me. She also doesn't like pineapple. So we're in the minority. I like uh, it separately the, from like pizza. I'll eat it yeah. outside of pizza. Outside of pizza. Okay. So, all right. So, Deb, at least you and I were were, were resolved and resolute on this issue. All right, everybody. So, for Julie and for Corey and for our special guest, Debs, this is DJ saying peace out. One love. We'll see you down the road. And as always, we're wondering what's up around the bend. Still alive, DJ.